sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with one of, in my opinion, one of the most respected names in the entire sports industry. The man's name is Chris Andrews. He is a sports book director over at the South Point Race and Sports Book here in Las Vegas. He's been doing this for 40 years. 40-plus years. He just wrote another book, uh, then one year, talking about 2020. So we're going to ask Chris Andrews a little bit about his book. We're going to ask him about where the action's coming in the NFL, where the action's coming in college football. And we'll have a good, broad discussion with a veteran oddsmaker about the state of the betting market circa 2022. I'm really looking forward to that discussion with uh, Chris Andrews. That being said... Chris isn't on the show yet. We'll have him in just a few minutes. I want to open the show talking about all of the overs in NFL preseason football week one. I mean, holy overs. The Hall of Fame game went over. Okay, no big deal. And then the Thursday night games go over 2-0 to the over. Okay, now it's 3-0 to the over. No big deal. Then Friday in the NFL, week one preseason action, 5-0 and to the over. And all of a sudden, the public is interested and the wise guys are interested. Public's bet every game over on the, basically since that 8 0 start. The wise guys bet a good handful of them. You know, Casey, Chicago went from 33.5 up to 38. Carolina, Washington, 33 up to 36.5. Indy, Buffalo, 34 up to 37.5. Seattle, Pittsburgh, 32.5 to 38.5. We're talking big moves. Now, admittedly, in the preseason, it does not take nearly as much to move a line or a total as it does in the regular season. The bookmakers know we got to adjust and we got to adjust quickly. When the respected better comes in and makes a significant bet, they're not dawdling when it comes to line moves. So when we're talking about a line a total going from 32.5 to 38.5, in the regular season, that would cost you a fortune. You know, it'd be really, we'd be talking about millions of dollars coming in on the over. In the preseason, it's significantly less than that. The markets see the money. The bookmakers see the money coming in on the over. They see it's coming from respected betters, And they adjust, and they adjust, and they keep adjusting. They're not waiting to get hammered by more limit bets. Nonetheless, big moves up and down the card when it came to the rest of the Week 1 preseason games, even the Sunday game between the Raiders and the Vikings. After that 8-0 to the over start, and of course, the weekend closed 14-3 and to the over. Now, it is definitely worth noting, there were no totals in week one that closed in the 40s. We look at the week two card, and of course, week one of the regular season card, and there's lots of totals in the 40s and in the 50s. So, the question you got to ask yourself when you see a big run of overs, any particular week, first of all, I wouldn't argue with anyone that went to the window on Saturday and said, hey, I'm betting every game over the total. I'm doing the same thing for Sunday. When you see the markets are off, that the games are playing differently than expected, to take a broader approach, to take a 
uh, a money market <laughs> approach, you know, or you know, where you're uh, uh, putting different assets together to create one larger betting portfolio, all these overs make a ton of sense. All right, wouldn't I argue with any of that? But the broader issue is, what's the takeaway? How did they do it? And what does this mean moving forward? So how'd they do it? You know, all the totals are in the 30s, and what happened? Well, I think there were two things that were different from your average year, per se. One, the red zone execution was definitely better than normal. You had more touchdowns, fewer field goals. The ratio of touchdowns to field goals across the NFL in week one of the preseason. Um, teams were able to execute in the red zone better than they have historically. Will that continue? Should we expect that next year? Not necessarily. Um, I would say it's more like you have teams that are performing well in the red zone to start out this season. I would say that's something that may well play out in week two and week three and beyond in the preseason. But when it comes to, all right, well, next year, do we want to betting all of these over because the red zone execution is going to be there? I'm not convinced that's the case. The other thing that happened in week one is that the quarterbacks were chucking it around. You know, a lot of times week one, you see some really conservative game plans. You see a lot of teams just running the football in the second half of these ball games with third and fourth stringers on the field. And that wasn't the case this year. There was definitely more emphasis on throwing the football around, even with second, third, fourth string quarterbacks. And obviously, anytime you're throwing instead of running, it's good for the over. Every uh, You have more big plays when you throw the football. Every time the clock, uh, there's an incompletion, the clock stops, which it doesn't do, obviously, on running plays. So you love chucking the football around with totals in the 30s. And that was the big deal for, really, the, the, the weekend. Now, here we are in week two of the NFL preseason. Today, on Sunday, you know, we saw a whole busy slate over the course of this weekend. And now, much less action, only four more games remaining for the entire weekend. The question we want to ask ourselves, again, do we expect to see a ton more scoring this weekend than we would in a normal weekend? The answer is not necessarily. But one of those things to file away next year, if we're seeing NFL Week 1 preseason total from the low to mid-30s, you better be look. You better believe we're going to look to be betting some of those, if not many of those games, up and over the total. Chris Andrews coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's get into it here on Cover with Teddy Cover, Series XM, Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I always enjoy when I get the chance to talk with a guy. I can't call him a good friend because I don't know him well enough to be a good friend. But I will call him a friend and a guy who I've known for a good handful of years and a guy who brings it. When I ask him questions here on Cover with Ed Cutter, uh, Cover with Teddy Covers, noted author and sportsbook director Chris Andrews at Andrews Sports on Twitter. Chris Andrews, welcome to the program. How are you today? Thank you, my friend. You're absolutely we're friends. Yeah, we don't know each other well enough, but yeah, I definitely can. When they list my friends, I'm not sure where you're on the list. You are, but Teddy Covers is on that list. <laughs> I appreciate that uh, very much. And of course, we're talking off air. I just finished, and it was one of these deals 
where I was at the gamblers, uh, I was at the gamblers general store picking up. You know, you pick up your Mark Lawrence and your Phil Steele and all that stuff. And I'm like, I gotta pick up Chris Andrews' book. I said I was gonna read it, and I didn't read it. And I figured, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll read a chapter here and a chapter there. It's called Then One Year, History's Craziest Year as Seen by a Las Vegas Bookmaker. Chris, I'll tell you what, I don't know if it was, I had an emotional reaction to your book. Maybe I haven't read anything about 2020 since 2020, but I yeah. couldn't put it down. I spent two days and I just you know, read it cover to cover. Uh, so we're going to talk about the book today. We're going to talk about NFL. We're going to talk about college football. But right off the top, then one year, how hard was that to write? That I mean... That sounded, it was brutal to write, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was. It was a chore. I mean, I, 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 I'm not even sure I can call it a labor of love. It was a labor for sure. I, I don't know if anybody read it. It's a book that came out in 1972. It was about in the 1972 football season, called the NFL Football or the National Football Lottery, written by Larry Merchant. And he went through a year of betting and the ups and downs, and he had a girlfriend in Vegas and a girlfriend in New York, and you know, bookmakers. Anyway, I read that book. I loved it. And, I, and so I went to Anthony Curtis and I said, "How about I write like a journal from one Super Bowl to the next? I think it'd be a great book." Oh, that sounds terrific. So I start writing it. Then, of course, 2020 happens. You know, we got the COVID. There's no NCAA. That was the first thing we lost. Then the NBA wasn't going. And then, so I'm, I'm, I, I talked to Anthony. He says, "Just keep writing, keep writing." I sent my stuff to him like halfway through the summer. He says, yeah. "He says this is good. Just keep writing." He says, "We'll." we'll edit it and figure it all out at the end. Just keep writing. So we did. It came out, you know, and uh, I, I got it, and I haven't heard your opinion on it, um, but I know a lot of people in our business, guys, you know, on my side of the counter, on your side of the counter, that live through this every day, they like the book an awful lot, because it really, there's a lot of lot of memories, some good, some not so good, you know, but uh, it's one of those things to revisit, and listen, it happened in our lives, and whether you liked it or didn't like it, I mean, it was there, and uh, I think that uh, kind of describes the, you know, the, the emotional feeling that we were going through on a daily basis. And it really, I mean, I, I can't, there was no more emotional year because none of us knew what was going to happen the next yeah. day or the next week or what direction we were going or what was going to happen with sports. And, and that end, we, you really capture it very well uh, in the book. And that day-to-day grind, you talked about the 1972 book by Larry Merchant. I've never seen another book that better represents the day-to-day grind, the yeah, we won a little today, yeah, we lost a little today, yeah, tomorrow's a new day, that, that, that captures that better than then one year. Then one day is a fantastic book of gambling stories. All right. And you can read it one chapter at a time and get a great gambling story and pass it to your friends. They'll love it. Then one year is about guys like us that just grind this every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really, uh, I can't recommend it uh, any higher than, uh, than, you know, I, I recommend this book, but I want to ask some questions about it. Sure. So you write about, quote-unquote, the old-school bookmakers versus the newer model, the European model many of the eastern, bigger East Coast books have adopted. This is my question for you. When you look at right now, nationwide, where it's FanDuel and it's DraftKings and it's BetRivers and there's a little BetMGM and a little Bet Caesars, but like 80 to 90% of the betting markets across the country are controlled by those five books. Are the Vegas books dinosaurs now? Are bookmakers like you, uh, are you going to be around? Are there going to be any bookmakers like you 10 years from now? Teddy, there will be, and I'll tell you why. If there's a market, it gets filled. 
If there's a void anywhere, I mean, that's just the law of nature. It gets filled. I mean, right now, they, they made marijuana illegal since, like, what, the 30s or 40s or whatever? Really? I mean, did that stop anybody from smoking marijuana? Not really, because the market got <laughs> filled. And if, and if this model continues and they ban players who are winners and et cetera, et cetera, and I saw the piece today, uh, I think it came out today, it might have been yesterday, on uh, how Spain is doing. They're holding a very small percentage because you can't ban players. And all that. You know, I, and I know Bob Martin. I, I was fortunate enough when I was a kid. I knew Bob Martin. And we, we had talked about this. He says, you know, at the end of the day, he says, I probably hold about 1%. He says, but I have this huge clientele. They bet monstrous amounts of money. And 1% is okay. It's enough for me to make a living. Now, if that's going to be the model going forward to, for some people, then that void will be filled. Now, you know, there's plenty of square business out there, too, and guys don't know the difference. You walk in and, you know, the straddle is you lay 180, you take 140, you know. I mean, the guys say, oh, that's great. You know, I mean, guys like us know, nah, that ain't so good. You know, but that market will be filled, too. But if that's the way the entire business goes, there will be a market for guys, you know, like me, like the Circa, like the Westgate. You know, we've all kind of held fast to what we do. And, uh, you know, I know those guys all fairly well. We, we all seem to be doing okay, and I think it'll last for a while. Um, but there, there are probably going to be some changes coming, but I think guys like us, there will always be a place like, a, like this in the market. Well, that's good news. Uh, are we dinosaurs, Chris? Because I don't feel that old, you know? And yet, so I, I was interviewing with the guy uh, I interviewed uh, last week. I'm not going to talk about what it was for because I didn't get the gig. Uh, but it was one of it was like one of the young guns from one of the newer sports books who, uh, you know, it's all like guys in their MBAs in their 20s and 30s. It's not right. old school bookmakers. Um, are, are, are we dinosaurs? Depends on where you are and who you're with and who you're talking to. I can tell you, I work for Michael Gaughan. Uh, you know, I guess maybe he likes dinosaurs. I've seen, uh, you know, Derek Stevens. I got to know Derek fairly well, even before he opened the Circa. Uh, and uh, Derek likes that dinosaur model. So if you're guys like me and you're working for guys like Michael Gaughan or Derek Stevens, you know, being a dinosaur is just fine. Now, if you're with one of these English outfits or European outfits, eh, they're probably looking. They're probably looking to turn you into uh, oil or something like that instead of uh, using you as a, as a, as a, as a predator. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that, it all depends on where, you're at on, or where you're at on the spectrum and who you're talking with. And one of the things I respect, in the book, you talk about some of the issues that you have catering to an audience of, of, of professional betters and winning wise guys. And you talked about, well, sometimes I may have to cut the, 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 the limits on the app, but I'm not cutting anyone's limits. They can always come into the shop and bet uh, to our max limit. And, and I, I thought that was a reasonable compromise. How come other yeah. books don't do that? Yeah, I, you know, again, you know, Michael Gaughan is the boss, and, uh, you know, and he and I, and it's in the book. We had some disagreements for sure. Yeah. But like I always say, you know, Michael Gaughan's made, let's say, about a billion better decisions than I have. So it's hard <laughs> to argue with him. But I will say this, and, you know, to this day it's true. He's never once given me a problem with taking too big of a bet at the counter. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll continue for a long time. But, you know, he doesn't like the app. I mean, he is old school. He likes people coming into the casino, and, and that's what he wants to do. And, you know, Teddy, he's the boss. That's what we're going to do. 
True. And back in the day, you know, uh, they, they, they wanted people to come to the casino because even if they lost sports betting, hey, you know, your wife will play the slots, yeah. maybe get a bite to eat. You know, there are other th- even if the sports betting is a net negative for the casino, the broader picture of the sports better coming in with his wife and making bets and doing other stuff and then going to the restaurants and, you know, it, it can even out or so in the end. We've got so much more coming with Chris Andrews. i got more questions about the – a couple more questions. I promise I won't spend the entire show talking about the book, but I do have a couple of key questions I do want to ask him. And we'll get into NFL preseason and college football early thoughts when coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Just go to Twitter and give us a follow at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can always follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And of course, you can follow today's guest, Chris Andrews, on Twitter. He's an excellent follow on Twitter, Twitter at Andrews Sports. That's two S's in the middle, Andrews Sports uh, on Twitter for uh, Chris Andrews. And Chris, we were talking about your book, then one year, you are officially, you're like a sports book director who is also an author. And I, I sat down, there was a couple times I sat down to write my great gambling opus and uh, came close to finishing it. When the time comes that you actually have time to do something, you know, in the summer months, I'm guessed. I'm not sitting there writing a book. <laughs> you did it every night after work. That's crazy to me. Well, I, you know, I saw one writer one time said, he says, when you decide to become a writer, you've pretty much assigned yourself homework for the rest of your life. And, uh, and, I have, and very briefly, I'll tell you this, I have a novel coming out in the next uh, few weeks, too, So, well, but we won't go into that too much. So I, I like to write. That's what I do. That's awesome. Well, uh, well if, if, it's, if it's any good, I'm happy to promote it, but i got to read okay. it before okay. I promote it. Okay. So. Uh, you got it. <laughs> So I want to ask you this. So uh, how long did you uh, – a couple of quick questions before we – so there was uh, – one of the funniest things about the book is you coming up with all the different nicknames for the Washington uh, – at the time they were the Redskins, then they became the football team, now they're the Commanders. But you had like 300 different nicknames. How long did it take you to come up with those? They cracked me up. Teddy, I, I, I don't know if it was good or bad, but I just thought of him at the spur of the moment as I was writing. I just threw him in there. And, you know, Daniel Snyder, just one of those guys, he just rubbed me the wrong way from the first time he blasted onto the national scene. I just didn't like this guy. So when they had all their troubles and, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, 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 no offense to anybody who's a fan or a player for Washington, but if I offended Daniel Snyder, thank God. God bless, because that's what I tried to do. So I don't know if he'll read my book. Maybe he will. I don't know. Let's send him a copy. So, you know, listen, I, I talked about how it was like emotional. I found the book emotional because there was a lot of stuff from 2020 that I hadn't revisited. Yeah. And it brought about all, you know, and one of the things you taught, you know, I lost my nephew that year. And I, you know, yeah. uh, one of many tragedies. Um, how do off-field distractions affect bookmakers? You talked about how you had, to, had losses that year, uh, people that you had, you know, had, uh, deeply cared about. When a bookmaker has a, quote, off-field distraction, 
can you notice, or does the market swallow that up? Is it a non-factor? Because I know when I'm not this, when I'm distracted, I can't win. I'm not even close. <laughs> uh, well, you have to compartmentalize, and um, I'll tell you, you know, not not exactly off the field, but I'll tell you a story. So this last year, we had one horrible day, and you know, we're 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 really compared to like MGM, William Hill, we're a small operation. So we, we you know we blew over half a million one day, and it was just one of those days. I come home and I'm aggravated, I'm sick, and you know. So anyway, I start working on next week's numbers. You know, that's what you got to do. And my wife comes in and she looks at me. She says, "You're drinking herbal tea." She goes, "I guarantee every bookmaker in the country is drinking scotch or Irish whiskey." I said, "Honey, I got to work on my numbers. I don't know. I, you know, anybody else can do what they got to, but I, I, I got to go on Gil Alexander's show at seven o'clock tomorrow." morning i gotta work on my numbers and do my homework and i'm not going to do it if i start drinking whiskey it's going to be all over so i'm drinking herbal tea that's my way to calm down so i mean again you gotta you know i've used this example before if you're a cornerback or a relief pitcher you are going to blow a game you know it's going to happen and i don't care if you're Deion sanders or you're mariano rivera you're going to blow a game and what do you do after that I mean, to go. I mean, you know. Listen, we all remember Donnie Moore. He went and killed himself after he blew the game for the blew the World Series for the Angels. Now you could do that, or you could suck it up and say, you know what? I better work on some stuff and try to do better next time. Now, I don't know how much better you're going to get than Mariano Rivera, but you know. But that's as a bookmaker, that's what you got to do. And we have lots of losing days. I mean, that's the way it goes. It's, and what do you do? Do you pick yourself up and go to work the next day? Well, if you're going to be successful in this business, that's what you do. And uh, and that that's not. All always off the field tragedies but listen you know i you know i'm on my second marriage so obviously the first one didn't work out so good you know i've had other relationships along the way and uh yeah you just got to put them aside and know to do your job and and just go do it when the time comes so mariana rivera who is i mean still to this day we call him the greatest relief pitcher in major league sure. baseball history and he single-handedly cost the yankees two world series you know not yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it goes. That, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, Teddy, that's life. What can I tell you? Pal? Exactly. And you talk about, so, you know, uh, my, my rule is I, I try to, like, if, if I have a rough day or a great day or whatever it is, 15 minutes, maybe a half yeah. hour. You know, when yeah. it's all over, if, yeah. you, if you need to blow off some steam, you blow off your steam, and then you got to go upstairs because guess what? The numbers are coming out. The markets don't sleep just because you exactly. had a bad day. And, you know, exactly. you're on doing on air for Monday mornings. I'm on air first thing Monday mornings. And if you're not ready, it shows. So, uh, yeah. you know, you, you, we're all human. We're all going to have our moments, you know. And sometimes their moments are worse than other moments. And you need an hour or two to get the steam from, you know, back into your head instead of blowing out your ears. But the scotch on Sunday night, no, no, no. I'm drinking herbal tea as yep. we speak. <laughs> last question about the, the book. Because you, you use this expression a bunch of, last question, you used expression a couple of times. You, you said, I'm going to, quote, go home to work on props. Explain that. Like, when you're going to go home and work on something, are you just sitting there and, and you're going to go through a bunch of player stats and you're going to go through a bunch of math? Like, what does that mean? Well, you know, there's two ways to look at it. First of all, you can go back and you can analyze what has happened. And, you know, that's an important tool, no question about it. But you have to be able to separate what has happened and how your analytics go 
And how does that project to what will happen? Now, that's hard to do, you know, and there's a lot of guys, and you know, I put myself in this category. I'm pretty good at analyzing the past, you know. How can I project that to the future, though? I mean, that's where it gets tricky, and that's how numbers and, and gambling exist. You know, you think a number should be six. Well, I think it should be three, you know, and uh, you have your reasons. I have my reasons, and, you know, I'll put up my number, and, you know, you, uh, you know, you don't want to think exactly like the bookmaker. Well, that's not going to do you any good. What are you going to do? You're going to look at the boy. That number looks pretty good. I guess I'll pass for the week. Well, that's no good. How the hell is that going to help you? You know, so you you certainly don't want to think the same as everybody else. That that's just not going to help. But but analyzing the past will help you uh, project to the future. But but that's that is where it gets tricky, and that's where it's ambiguous. And you know, at the end of the game, we're all going to know the right answer. But going into it, yeah, we really don't. Yeah. Predictive versus reactive, you yeah, know, and, exactly. and that's yeah. and, and it's a as a as a handicapper and as a bookmaker, it's kind of the same challenge. Um, yeah, I mean, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next, and like I said, that's that's how you know we can go back and look at what happened, and you can't say you know I don't know, you can't say like well Kirk Cousins was a better quarterback than than uh, than Patrick Mahomes. Okay, no, you're wrong. You know, but what's going to happen? Then you know the next game when these two play. You know, I mean, uh, you know, then that's what we got to look at, and th- and that's where the difference opinion uh, enters in, and that's how that's why we have gambling. So I, I said it was going to be my, my last question about the book, but I lied. Because uh, there's one. Uh, there's, there's like, so there's actually two more I want to ask you real quick. The first one is okay. when you had. I mean, there was NA, NBA. NHL, college football, NFL, there were like full cards every day when the sports yeah. schedules got as a handicapper I found it impossible. <laughs> you know? And there was stuff that I just I just said, I'm not even gonna look at this right now. I'm not even gonna look yeah. at this until this is done. As a bookmaker, you can't do that. How on earth did you did you get through like when you have like eight sports going at once? Well, listen, I, I mean, I don't know what anybody else said, but I know, I, I mean, I stole numbers off other guys, you know, I mean, I looked to see what, you know, Chris or Pinnacle or, you know, even Circo, Westgate has, and you try to, you know, go from there, and there's certain numbers, you know, you said, like working on props, you know, we were trying to come up with stuff to bet on. Once everything got in full speed, once everything went to full speed, we didn't have to look for stuff to bet on. We had to look like, how are we going to handle all this? And I remember going through and like, you know, May and June and saying, uh, you know, the day's going to come and we're going to work out wish we were back at the, these days. Well, I never really got to that point. But it was hard. It was a long days and a lot of work. And uh, it was hard to keep up with everything. But, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the year, we wound up with a pretty decent year. Uh, we, you know, we did a lot, a ton of business. And, uh, you know, things worked out okay. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I have a good crew. And let me go back very briefly. You know, when I started this in really like 1979 and 81 was my first real manager's job, I knew every number on my board. Every number, period. Yep, sure. Impossible now. Impossible. <laughs> you know, you're going to ask me, what's, uh, you know, what's the, what's the uh, you first know, what, half money line? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, and forget that. What do, you, what do the NASCAR matchups look like this week? What are the goals? <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, hell, I don't know. I got a crew that does that. I mean, I, there's no way I, I, one human being could do it. You can't. Well, I can't. I mean, there's probably some guys that could, but I'm, you know, if Stephen Hawking was a bookmaker, maybe he could do it, but I sure as hell couldn't. So we've got a little bit less than a minute before the break, and I want to ask you real quick. You know, you talk how good uh, Michael Gaughan is, yeah. but you also talked earlier about some of the issues with the Euro books and the whole percentages they're trying to get. You talked about how even a 1% 
uh, hold can make a whole bunch of money over the long term. How much pressure is there for sportsbook directors to make a whole bunch of money right now? Well, every once in a while, Michael will ask me, boy, our, our percentage is a lot lower than others, which it is. And I tell him, I remind him, Michael, don't forget, we got to the Super Bowl. We used a dime line on the point spread and the money line. We go to March Madness. We use a dime line. That's half the juice that the other on our biggest events of the year. Add it up, you can't hold the same percentage as everybody else. And he's, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> i got to remind them every once in a while. That was good. NFL preseason, college football discussion coming up after the break when covering continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You know, one of the advantages of living in Las Vegas uh, and I started right when I moved out here in 1998, and it's been that way the whole way since, is that the legends are accessible, <laughs> you know? And there's something about having legendary guys on the show and just chatting with them like they're regular people. Chris Andrews is a legend in this business. He's been doing this for 40 years, making book in Reno and Las Vegas. And obviously, he's been real forthcoming so far with his thoughts and opinions now i got to pick his brain when it comes to NFL preseason football and college football. Chris, let me start with this. The Baltimore Ravens winning streak. (laughs) The Buffalo Bills winning streak. Are those teams hard to book in August when you know that all the action is going to come on one side and it's really hard to attract it from the other side? Well, Teddy, you know, I mean, wise guys are looking for bargains out there. So sometimes you have to jack up that number to get some some money the other way. And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where the uh, the public has done pretty good following those guys. But uh, we, we wind up getting some money back the other way when, you know, sharp guys look for value. And uh, sometimes I wonder if they really are getting value or it's just their perceived value, you know. But, uh, you know, we, we, we don't do great in the preseason, no, no question about it. It's been rough, you know. But, you know, we it, it could be worse. It could be worse. We'll wind up taking some play from some wise guys to try to even us out a little bit. But, you know, thank God for them sometimes, I'll tell you. Thank goodness, or else we'd really get stuck. Sure. Well, I mean, so there, there, there's so many books out there that aren't taking any wise guy action so that when the recreational betters have the big weekend and hit the parlays and the favorites come through, yeah. there's nothing to balance that. They get annihilated those weekends, true? No question about it. And I've been there, you know, where not that I you know, thrown out wise guys or anything, but sometimes just the public overpowers them. You know, that's a huge market out there, Teddy. And I know you got big guys betting some big money, sharp guys I'm talking about, but the public has a lot of money and a lot of opinions <laughs> just when it comes to the NFL. And they can just overpower them. You know, you see, you know, you get into a, you know, Thursday night game, a Monday night game, whatever. You know, you know the wise guys are taking three, the wise guys are taking three, the wise guys are taking three. Well, the public's laying three with both hands, and you wind up at three and a half, and guys look at you, how'd you get there. Well, because the public way overpowered them. That's what happened. And that yeah, it happens occasionally. And listen, they win too. You know, you know yourself. I mean, you know, if you could hit 58%, you're, you're a hell of a handicapper. Well, that means 42% of the time you're losing. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's when the public wins. And that just happens. So explain the basic difference between wise guy action and public action in, in August in the NFL. Is, 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 is... <laughs> 
Well, you know, August is its own animal, Teddy. You know, I mean, it's all information. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I tell my guys, you know, usually, you know, take a bet, take a bet, take a bet. But not in the preseason. It's all information. And numbers go from, you know, two one side to six the other side, you know, and, and you know, in a couple of heartbeats. That's so why you don't want to climb the ladder the whole way. You know, uh, you see something moving. And then, some, you know, oftentimes it's almost like an injury game, you know, when a quarterback out you know you can't you can't just let them go from three to seven you know taking a half point each way so i'm just kind of move that number if you have the information and you know august is its own animal when it comes to the nfl just you know some of the bookmaking practices that you hold through you know the, the bulk of the fall you just have to throw out the window so it's a whole different animal. Now, the yeah. South Point does something that's very different and unique, and it's great for betters as far as I'm concerned. You're talking about, you talked earlier about the, you know, the, uh, the 10 cent straddle uh, on like the Super Bowl and stuff, which, uh, and March Madness, which costs you some hold, uh, but it builds up the handle. Talk about the minus 110 on threes and sevens. You guys never move to minus 115, minus 120 on threes and sevens. Uh, talk about why that's such a good deal for betters. Well, once again, that's another one I have to remind Michael about, and another reason why we don't hold the same percentage as a lot of other places. But I do think we make it up in volume, and that's the idea. And I always tell Michael, and I tell everybody, we're not in the percentage business; we're in the dollar business. You know, so he he likes that. You know, when guys come in, you know, Teddy, they walk in off the street, and you might have to lay. Three and a half instead of three, but you're only laying 110. <laughs> that I can tell you, you know. And uh, I think that has worked to our advantage. We have a lot of people that come in, you know, a lot of regular customers that love playing that. They don't have to guess like what their parlay is going to pay, blah blah blah. And it, it, it helps for the wise guys too. You know, the, the guy knows that he's going to lay three with me or take three. It's not going to be three minus 20 or three minus a quarter or anything like that. You know, I mean, that's guys like that and it helps our business and you know i mean you go from three to two and a half on a game you'll do a hell of a lot of business and but numbers do fall but the thing is when they do fall i mean michael can't bust my balls on something like that i don't well you're the one that won't let me move the juice <laughs> so what do you want me to do <laughs> i didn't kick that field goal at the end of the game i mean somebody else did you know but and i i, I say that jokingly it's kind of true because i mean he really doesn't bust my balls on that kind of stuff because he knows you know games are going to fall three they're going to fall seven they're going to fall four they're going to fall six whatever you want and we don't move the juice and but when they fall they hurt but overall um you know i think it's a good deal for us and i think it's uh, helped us quite a bit in the long run certainly every game's got to land somewhere i believe is yep. a line uh, from then one year, and they all do. Uh, last question about preseason before we move on to college football. And you just talked about the threes versus the two and a halves. Is three the key number in August, or do you adjust around one or two Oof. more carefully with coaches looking to avoid overtime and the random two-point conversions that you often see in the second yeah. half of these games as yeah, the coaches that, are looking to avoid overtime? That's a terrific question. I mean, you know, the three means something. It definitely means something. But nowhere near what it means in the regular season. I mean, these guys don't want to play for overtime. And, you know, I mean, and, and there's, you know, I, I kind of tweeted out the other day. I, was with, I happened to go to the Raiders game and uh, Minnesota kicked a 21 or 20 yard field goal 
I said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> this is the preseason. You need to work on your 20-yard field goal attempts. I mean, yeah, shouldn't you do that in practice? I mean, I'd rather go for it fourth and two or three or four, whatever it was at the time. You know, so that, I thought that was a strange strategy. But some coaches do that. Most don't. I mean, you'd rather get your fourth, uh, fourth down offense uh, some work in a real game situation against an opponent that doesn't know what you're doing. I mean, I think that's much more important. So the, the answer to your question is a three means a little something but nowhere near what it means in the regular season. And one and two can be uh, you know, some very uh, valuable numbers to work around, absolutely. So do you adjust carefully around the ones and the twos, or is the, is the emphasis still around the three? At this point in time, I'd say they're relatively equal. And, again, we don't move the money. I mean, we, yeah, we don't move, move the juice. But, you know, again, we, we move with our action. But if I see a wise guy come in and take a three off me, I'll go right to two with the game, you know, rather than two and a half. Or if they lay the three, I, I might I – don't, I think there may be one game this year where they laid me the three, I went right to four. You know, it's just uh, – it, it is different. We don't have to – you know, there's more numbers that that can fall and do fall. You know, so you don't respect the the, the one solid number that you that you would during the regular season. So we move a little more quickly. And, and listen, Ted, you know, it's an it's a it, it's an information game at, uh, in this part of the, of the year. Sure, and of course, uh, the over not that the, uh, so the NFL did change the preseason rules that there are there is no more overtime now in preseason, yeah. and yet. Nobody wants a tie, dude. You just see no, coaches, they'll no. go for two instead of kicking the extra point just to avoid the tie, which makes those one, uh, those uh, ones and twos and one and a halfs worth all that much more. Just a few minutes left here with Chris Andrews, and I do want to pick your brain on college football real quick. So okay. uh, give me a couple of teams that uh, you've seen the sharp betters like in college football and a couple of teams where all the wise guy money seems to be coming against. Well, I'll tell you, some of the sharp money, you know, I was surprised. I had Alabama, the second-best team in the country behind Ohio State. But, you know, uh, my handicappers have definitely put Alabama above Ohio State at this point in time. I'm still not sure about that. I'm not sure about that at all. I think Ohio State is the better team. But I have to respect the guys that bet me. They bet me quite a bit on Arkansas, on Baylor, West Virginia, which I – I'm questioning that one pretty good. And the other one I questioned, too, is Washington University. I think that that team's going to be down. But uh, a lot of the sharp guys have been on Washington pretty strong. Now, some of the other teams that they haven't been on that I'm kind of looking at as maybe some value plays, they bet my games of the year and things like that, they they bet against BYU. Well, I think BYU is going to be really good. They bet against Iowa. Iowa's always a little bit tricky. They win a lot of games, but they don't cover a lot of numbers. Uh, they bet against Tennessee, uh, Mississippi. Well, I think Mississippi is going to be very good, too. And another team they didn't bet on, they didn't bet against, but one that I'm going to keep my eye on is Kansas. I, I love that new coach. God, I'm terrible with names today. I can't remember his name. But I love that guy. He came from Buffalo, came from Wisconsin Whitewater, I think, before that. You know, he's been a He's really done well, but I think that's going to be a team to watch. That's going to cover. They're going to cover some big numbers this year, and I think they 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 finally hired the right guy, and I think that uh, they're going to move up a little bit. I'll tell you two teams I'm looking to bet against myself. And this isn't in in correlation with the wise guys, but I think I think they missed the boat on USC. I think they've overrated USC. I think they've overrated Texas. And you know, Teddy, you'll talk to me in December and you'll say, Chris, you are really an idiot. Or you'll say, Chris, you were pretty sharp. You had those two teams. But those are two teams I'm looking that I think right now are overvalued, USC and Texas. So I'm just going to run through that list real quick if anyone's jotting stuff down. 
All right. Chris Andrews saying he's seen wise guy support for Alabama as the best team in the country. He kind of likes Ohio State, and that's the way he ranked it initially. We've seen Arkansas wise guy money, Baylor, West Virginia, and Washington, all teams that have taken plus money, positive money, uh, from the Sharps. And some teams that the wise guys have been against include BYU, Iowa, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Lance Leopold's Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, Kansas trying to be relevant for the first time since the Mark Mangino era. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who was, I mean, what he was what too he fat. I mean, they didn't like winning with that fat bastard, and they cut him. I mean, you know, he did well with that team. What what he did with that program, you consider where it was before and where it was yeah. after, that's, in my mind, everybody, maybe more impressive than what Bill Snyder did at yeah, Kansas State. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and, of course, uh, Chris Andrews says, Bet against, he wants to fade USC and Texas, two teams that he thinks are a little bit overvalued in the betting marketplace right now. Chris Andrews, any final thoughts and promote yourself, promote your book, promote your sports book. Uh, the, the floor is yours, my friend. Okay, well, listen, uh, they usually, and sometimes they get sell, sold out, but usually they have my books available right here in the gift shop at the South Point. You know, come on down, get one out of the gift shop, come on over, I'll sign it for you, or go to Amazon or Huntington Press, order them, and uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy the books. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably my perfect uh, clientele for, for reading one of the books. So buy one, come by, I'll, I'll sign it for you. We do a lot of great things at the South Point. Teddy kind of hit on some of them. You know, we do you know, 11 to 10 on all the straight bets off the board. Uh, you want big play, come into the book, and we'll put you on for a pretty good amount in the book. Yeah, not so much. That's by orders of the boss. That's just the way we do things here. But we've got a lot of good things going here at the South Point. And I think come on in, and I think you'll uh, enjoy your experience. So, Chris, uh, I had a a meet and greet uh, this past weekend. and got to actually go out and have a little bit of fun uh, on Saturday night. And as I was doing it, I realized this is pretty much the last time I'm going to do anything (laughs) until the end of March Madness. Do you have that same realization as (laughs) as the end of Labor Day approaches and you know that, oh boy, here it comes? Or as a bookmaker, you know, because I know it's a better, it just makes me, like, it it really is crazy at the end. Uh, 30 seconds, what do you got? Well, I have an understanding wife, and she'll say sometimes, hey, I want to go do this, I want to go do that, and this is, you know, during the fall and stuff. Honey, you might as well go, because you ain't going to see me around too much, so go have fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, like, I promise, it I'll is. talk to you. I'll talk to you after the Sweet 16, babe. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have time for another woman, believe me, that's not the case. So, go have fun. Chris Andrews, Alan it. Thanks for joining SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program while it was airing live, if you want to catch any previous edition, if you want to go back and rewind something, if you want to make sure you're jotting down some notes when Chris Andrews is talking, look, you can find this show, you can find yesterday's show, you can find every show that I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network archived at all major podcast outlets. Just search Cover It with Teddy Covers and again, download and consume at your convenience. I want to close the show, give you guys a opinion in 
NFL action. Sunday night football tonight. The Ravens and the Cardinals. Total in that game sitting in the 38 and a half, 39 range. And look, when we talk about Baltimore's impressive and incredible 21-game preseason winning streak, exactly one of those games has produced more than 41 points. The Ravens have won all of these games because their defensive depth is better than the average team. Okay, and when you talk about this type of point spread record over this long a period, look, there's no value on Baltimore right now, none whatsoever, and I'm still not convinced Arizona cares. But I do believe that the Ravens' defense is capable in this ballgame, and I do not expect Arizona to be able to chuck the football around the way they did last week. Look, both these teams' totals last week closed in the 31.5-32 range. We've seen a pretty significant adjustment, even though the money's come in on the under. I agree with that under money. The Ravens worried about injuries. Everyone played great last week at quarterback. I'm not convinced that happens here. And the McSorley-Guarantano combo, I don't think will play as well as they did a week ago either. So look for Baltimore and Arizona State under the total on Sunday Night Football. Hopefully that opinion can put a couple of bucks in your pocket. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with me. We'll do it again next week right here on Coverage with Teddy Covers.